All right, guys, we are, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm um, strapped in my podcast chair and uh, ready to be blocked. <laughs> Listeners, welcome to our sixth episode of... Uh, Bond for, bond by Bond, this is a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my now double-O friends, Joe and Duff. <laughs> What's up? Hello. Uh, uh, so, yeah, we are, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say tentatively, we're finishing off our Bond season, but listen, who knows? We may still be doing this in a few years, and there'll be a new Bond, and the people oh, yeah. will be wondering. That's a good idea. Whenever they the next Bond comes around, we should do a special one for that. Yep. I like that idea. I didn't even think of it. How much will they have to give Daniel Craig to come back? Or have they all just... They, they of... did that for this movie. Yeah. He said no a bunch of times. Well, it's not this one. one. Not Casino Royale. No, no, I mean the, this one. new one that's Spectre, coming out this year. Or not Spectre. Uh, uh, no Time to Die. No time. Yeah, they... they... They kept no time like, to release more and more money to come back. That's that's what I'm saying. I guess I guess it depends on whenever No Time to Die is eventually released. But it, after every movie, especially now, we, they go through the whole love hate thing with James Bond, both the producers and the actor. Mm-hmm. Well, what's going to be awkward is when it's me, and then you guys have to <laughs> evaluate me uh, in front of me after my first Bond movie comes out. That's true. That's but. true. Well, Lisa Lure is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to adjust the scale to put higher numbers on it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Casino Royale, the, uh, the the 2006 version. If you are super interested in hearing us talk about the other Casino Royale, that is on Patreon. That, is, that movie that's your sucks. Own. That Terrible. movie sucks. Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this movie does not suck. Um, so we're going to talk about this is Daniel Craig's first movie uh, as James Bond. We're going to get into you know his rating you know, him being casted, all sorts of stuff. But as always, guys, <laughs> I spent a lot of time again and I wrote up it's a, a lot. It's a long movie. So you got a long plot description. Yep. Plot overview. As always, jump in at any point. Um, in our cold open, we see Bond get his first two kills and become a double O agent. Then we go to Uganda and we see um, Le Chief, uh Can, can I can money. I jump in real quick? Yeah. How many dads on home video kept fussing, fussing with their TVs, wondering why it was black and white? I had actually forgotten it was black and white. Like, I did oh, too. What's going on here? <laughs> Duff was trying to just adjust screaming the at their teenage son. Peter, <laughs> come down! The TV's messed up. So then we're in Uganda, and we see Lashif is loaned money from Mister White. Uh, and then we go to Madagascar and we watch as Bond chases a terrorist via parkour into, oh, man. <laughs> into an so embassy. so good. Uh, and then he sees the, the message ellipses on the phone and escapes. Uh, this upsets M, so she sends him off on vacation. I mean, that would be the worst, guys. Your boss gets upset and they say, just go on vacation. Also, <laughs> M- is he going to the, the Bahamas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, M is a lady now. Well, M was a lady in Goldeneye. Oh, that's right. Come on, Duff. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, we go to the Bahamas, and he finds Alex Demetrius, who is working for Le Chief. I want to. What's that song, La Freak? Is that the song I'm thinking of? Like, <laughs> yeah. <he, laughs> yeah. Is it La Chifra? or is it La Cheek? I think. This, I don't know. Uh, 
We're now, so stupid. Yeah, now I'm doubting myself. <laughs> off to a great start here. Yep. Uh, so they play poker, and Bond wins his car and Demetrius's wife, and then he learns that Demetrius <laughs> is going to Miami. As you do. <laughs> uh, so Bond... Uh, he set a little bull token down as a chip. <laughs> <laughs> so Bond confronts him at Body Worlds in Miami, <laughs> You know, you know it's the mid-aughts when Body Worlds is a thing. Remember that? There's, have you guys ever gone to one of those? I did, I actually. have not, no. I, I went to the Science Museum in St. Paul. I, uh, I went to one, but it was animals. It wasn't humans. Mm. Mm. Okay. It was, well, eh, it was okay. I mean, it's, uh, it's weird that that was a huge thing for a brief period. Didn't they find out that a bunch of the bodies in it were from, like, Still alive, slaves from the de- developing world or something. So like they I've, had some kind I've, of evil, like human trafficking angle. So to I, it. I couldn't remember if it was true or not, and I wasn't going to bring it up because it might sound silly. But I feel like wasn't it like Chinese homeless people? <laughs> <laughs> well, we I we don't, don't do research. We don't do research around here. So no, I did. I certainly didn't do any body worlds research. Before well, hopefully, this. hopefully, when I edit this, I. Uh, I look it up before they get in. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we're all going to get but canceled. I, I do feel like there is something sinister about Body Worlds. And yeah. that- well, something sinister happens at Body Worlds in Casino Royale when James Bond stabs this guy to death. Um, but not before Demetrius drops a bag for another guy, Carlos. Carlos um, goes to the airport. Bond follows where Carlos attempts to blow up an airplane. Bond, of course, stops him. Awesome. Um, yep, yep. Bond returns to the Bahamas and sees that Demetrius's wife has been murdered by um, Le Chief. <laughs> Technically, it was now Bond's wife, so he let her get murdered. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, he won her. He won her fair and square. <laughs> that's true. Uh, it turns out this is the big plan. Le Chief was banking on the, the, the plane blowing up, which would ruin that company's stock, but now he's still in debt from the money he borrowed in Uganda, so he sets up a high-stakes poker game in Montenegro. Um, on the way there... Um, Bond meets Vesper Lynn, who is with the British government, and she provides the money, and Bond is going to be one of the players. Um, during the game, Bond thinks he finds the chief's tell. During a break, the chief is confronted about missing money. Bond is attacked and kills the henchman. Uh, next day, Bond loses big again, and we find out that he'll get fronted the money by one of the other players, Felix, who is a CIA plant. Um it's towards the end of the game. Lashif poisons Bond, but he ultimately survives, and he returns to the game and wins. Then Vesper is kidnapped, and Bond gives chase, but he's also captured. This is when he is tortured in uh, in the nutsack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, suddenly, Mister White shows up and kills Lashif. Then Bond recovers, and, and uh, him and Vesper go to Venice together. Bond resigns from. Um, from spying, um, and <laughs> I can't remember the name of the organization. MI6. MI6 to spend time with uh, Vesper, but turns out, guys, Vesper betrayed him. Oh. He tracks her down, but not before a fight in a floating building in Venice where all the people are killed, including... Um, a building it, collapses. A building collapses, including, uh, including Vesper. She dies. Bond is upset. He then kind of learns that Vesper left him some clues and learns that she was blackmailed into her betrayal. So then he tracks down Mr. White and kills him. The end. I mean, yeah. There's a so, lot going on. Where should we start? Uh, one, well, thi- one thing I wanted to mention, um, 
what do you guys think of the uh, cobra ferret fight? Uh, it's a mongoose, I believe. Yeah, it's, it's a, a mon- mongoose. Yeah, mongoose. Okay. Is, they they fight cobras. That's what they do. It, okay, so this yep. might change it for me because I, I thought it was a ferret. Who's <laughs> <laughs> putting money the on Lebowski? the ferret? Nice marmot. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like this this ferret is outgunned. But... No, that's like a that's like a famous like the mongoose versus the cobra. That's like a like a classic kind of battle. I don't know. It's not like Ali versus Frazier. No, but but it's like in the, in the animal world, like that is, well, obviously as an analogy fairly often, obviously it was not common enough for me to catch it. Cause I thought it was a damn ferret. I, you know what? I thought it was a badger at first. (laughs) Oh my God. It doesn't look anything like a badger. I don't know my marmots. Did you, did you just think that because of that weird flash animation badger snake thing? Yeah, yeah, probably. Did you think it was a honey badger? Oh, well, could have been, you know. Listen, I, I I forget that a mongoose is a mammal. I My head, it's, you know, it's got goose in it. <laughs> I, I, I can't even the think of The untitled mongoose game. I can't even think of a mongoose. I've made-up animal for all i know so like, what, what is that this is i don't really feel like that why are we disrespecting mongooses we're not I've, disrespecting them i just don't think is. they're as you're well not known. tough is oh uh, no it's i i don't disrespect unicorns i've no i don't think they're real <laughs> <laughs> good point all right i know, yeah, you I, got know me there, Duff. I know i know what i saw i saw a ferret <laughs> if, <laughs> well, I mean, who would you bet on in a cobra versus a ferret fight? Oh, cobra! That's why. That's why it didn't seem like a fair fight to me. To be fair, I would bet on a cobra versus most things. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, man. I'd... You just have to play a flute. <laughs> how, how tough can it be? True. That's true. If you play music, they get sleepy. Everyone knows that. <laughs> just put um, on a Steely Dan album. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, you know, I was talking to, uh, um, uh, friend of the show, Tom, and he was saying, uh, that whenever he rewatches Casino Royale, he forgets how it's like two movies, how like there is like this thing that happens as the chief and then there's like, oh, well he's gone now. And then yeah. there's like the Mr. White thing. <laughs> there's a good one. And then one that's boring and you forget about it for a reason. This movie really keeps going. Like there it's, <laughs> There is like a climactic third act, but there's kind of not because you've had two or three of them. Yeah, yeah. I I really like this movie a ton, but me too. Um, but it, it is when Mads it is, is gone. No Mads, not nearly as good. Well, also like even the guy that they're that like takes Vesper and they're running off to is not even Mister White. It's just another guy. Yeah, who's the, that guy? <laughs> the guy, with, the one eye patch guy. Even Mister White, not a very memorable presence. No, no. No, but um, we we can dive into that. I mean, I guess, you know, if we want to start on anything, here's what I want to start. Well, let's actually start with Daniel Craig being cast. Well, can can we talk about, I guess, like, we t- we talked about a bunch of those. You listed all those action sequences. And in la- our last episode, Duff talked about how much he loves that tank scene. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys mind mm-hmm. if I talk about how much I love the parkour scene? Yes. I, I really I really think it's one of the great chase scenes ever. I, I really, it's an incredible feat. Like the stunt work is amazing. 
the choreography is amazing. The it, it isn't edited like incoherently, like it's fast paced, but you always know where they are and what they're doing. Like it has mm-hmm. a really good coherent sense of space and time. Uh, it it really is uh, I, I, one of my favorite action scenes of all time. I, I and I, I don't really ever hear. Maybe I just don't see it, but I don't hear people mention it as a great all time action sequence. But rewatching it, uh, the, this is probably the fourth time I've seen it. It, it's it's an unbelievable. I think. A- am I overrating it or? Um, I think it is. It is really good. I think this movie's full of a bunch of really good action sequences that don't get talked about. I mean, I think everything at the airport's great too. Yeah, I yeah. I, think the, I think the the parkour sequences. It, it's awesome. I mean, I. There are some things that are already dated about this movie, but all the oh, action, there's a lot, and but, I can't wait to get into but it. But all <laughs> the action is still top notch. It's, yeah, I, I agree that with that. The act, the, every single action scene is great. It has, the, you talk to the airport thing, may, the, maybe the second best in-car fight I've seen, which is a hard thing to yeah. do. Yeah, like yeah. The, in, the Raid the raid Redemption Part 2 has the best in-car fight scene I've seen, but the, this one was um, definitely probably my top five. And it's not and easy fun, to have a fight scene inside of a car. And with a fun ending with the keychain, like, yeah. like that's great. And you can't wait for him to, like, you know, try to blow it up and realize he's got it now. Yeah. So most of our previous Bond movies have had, like, really cool stunts. You know, then The Spy Who Loved Me, that amazing, like, uh, cliff jump with the skis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in GoldenEye, like, him jumping, <laughs> defying the laws of physics and catching up to a plane. Yep. Um, yep. But none of them had a really, until this, I think, had a top-notch, sustained action sequence that was as, as good as this one I, I some of the car chases i think maybe could match up with it but but in terms of like yeah the closest is living daylights i think on the the like ski chase yeah probably so um, i i just it, i just wanted to like that open that scene where they're running and jumping off cranes and stuff just like it still thrills me after multiple watches and and now it's 15 years later and action movie time it's a pretty long time yeah yeah, I would agree. I mean, and, and uh, you know, even another scene that I forgot being awesome in here is when his car blows up and spins over like 180 times yeah. before it lands, yeah. which, by the way, fun fact, uh, Guinness Book of World Record, uh, that is the barrel, ru- the barrel roll stunt broke the record for most, most cannon-assisted barrel rolls ever done by a car. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like that burnout video game? Yeah. Press Z and R to do a barrel roll. Got a got a bunch of bonus points for that. Um, yeah, so like that sequence is awesome, and and uh, it's it's wild because the, I feel the, like the most the building in is- Venice collapsing is, I mean that look. I don't think there's if there is computer effects, they look really great. But it, it everything you know, there's nothing in here action wise that I think looks dated. No, it. I don't think so either. It it all looks practical and it yeah it's all yeah well, underrated i just think a lot of our, the previous bond films you could tell where they went cheap and we've talked a little bit about that with casting i think mm-hmm. yeah where they 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 went cheap like to they could have gotten a better bond girl but they didn't want to pay even a reduced rate so they went for bargain bin uh casting and stuff but this one like spared no expense and I think it's the first one in the series where it's 
from casting to action sequences to music to everything, you can tell they it, they didn't really take any shortcuts. Now, I think some of the later ones in the Daniel Craig series are really bloated and they cover up a weak story with just spending lots of money and stuff. But but this one, I think, achieves that perfect balance. Yeah, I think the the things that are dated in this movie are nothing to do with the action sequences. And I think I would feel absolutely fine if someone was like, I think this is clearly one of the best action films of the 2000s. Oh, easily. Oh, yeah. Um, and the things that date it are the things I like about Bond movies that date them, which is that they are all very much of their era. Yeah. And and I and I as we're going through the because I think it's kind of you know we'll have our final thoughts later about Bond movies, but um, I think one of the special things about Bond movies is we have these for sixty years, and you kind of get to see decade by decade, year through year, like these different views of what's cool, what's fashionable, mm-hmm. what you know, and and kind of watching that I think is fascinating. Um, and so like the three things I well the th- things I notice in this one are you mentioned Body Worlds, that's for sure one. <laughs> um, <laughs> poker like like no limit poker uh hold not, not just poker texas hold'em poker yeah i mean we can't forget like how massively popular in 06 uh texas hold'em poker was yeah yeah it it uh was huge i mean it's it's still pretty popular but it, sure that was definitely right around that was probably the peak of it 2005 this, 2006 this yeah. was and obviously this kind of shows the state of entertainment too but there was the era of like half the programming on cable was poker tournaments yeah well it's a much more like cinematic made for the camera game than baccarat is so i i was gonna say i and i'll i'm gonna tease the producers about this but it's probably the right choice it's funny that they kept all the swankiness and all the the glamour from the casino royale text such as the millionaires having a fancy gambling game in montenegro but they're like look our audience is dumb and they (laughs) i mean we're dumb too but we did not know baccarat so like what's in texas hold'em sure but i i think it's a a smart choice because it's it's then you can have individual personalities at the table that are each competing against one another. And I don't think with Baccarat, you, you're not really doing that. And this, the, the movie does a good job of having the Mathis character explaining to Vesper what's happening, which is a good surrogate for anyone who doesn't understand the stakes that are happening, does. Yeah, I, I totally get it, and I'm not disagreeing, and I even agree with the things you guys are saying, but it's just... <laughs> it's just... Like, I'm thinking of, like, Ian Fleming writing it and the notion of, like, all these super classy rich guys getting together to play Texas Hold'em. It, it's, I, 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 I have to reconcile those two in my sure. brain. I think you're right that Ian Fleming would never have written that, but in, two, in 2006, Makes that all is sense what rich yeah, guys would that, have been doing. Yeah, that's true. The, the other two things that are very uh, 2006 for me is, one, the fact that there even is a parkour scene. Even as awesome as it is, the fact that like a guy who does parkour is very uh, much of its remem- time. Yeah, that's remember true. how many YouTube videos there were in 2006 of that. Yeah, and then <laughs> the other thing, maybe this one's going to ruffle some feathers. I don't know. Um, a lot. Whenever Daniel Craig uh, has to get, pull off the sexy look, he goes to the duck face. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's mm. in duck face so much in the movie 
that I it cracks me up. I love it. So it I, is... I will get into this with the bond rating, but uh, Daniel Craig is. Let me know if this makes sense. He's a very good-looking guy, but he's not good at being sexy. Hmm. Well, let's 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 hold that till we get to allure. Yeah, let's on hold the that okay. thought. All right. Um, but, but I am excited that we're going to be able to embrace debate. <laughs> what I what I will say is let's kind of jump into the casting of Daniel Craig because what I think one of the big differences between outside of Lazenby, which is really the only other guy that people lost their minds of about him being casted beforehand, it seems like, um, is like the other you know like um, Roger Moore and Dalton were already like on that short list before when they got the job. Same with Pierce Brosnan, um, you know he almost got it instead of Timothy Dalton. Daniel Craig comes out of nowhere to win this or you know to win this role. Wasn't everybody mad because he was blonde? Yes, in God, short, so stupid. He's he's five foot ten, so which is not short. I know, I know that's, but that's like two inches taller than the average guy, isn't it? But I mean, Bond, for for kings like us, it's short. But for your average <laughs> yes, yeah. like person, it you know. Um, but you know, people think of Bond being tall, dark, and handsome, and uh, because and, no one in a movie has ever appeared taller than they actually are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like no. the other most successful action franchise at this time was Mission Impossible, <laughs> starring a guy who's five foot one. Like this is this is literally an industry where if someone isn't tall enough, they have them stand on a box and just don't show it. <laughs> and and so when he um when he was casted, like there was like it's wild to think. I mean, it's not wild because I think the other thing is 2006 internet is it's, a it was force. social media wasn't as big a force. No, God. but internet still like you know people are still you, you, you know. You had to go Dolls to was po- was was posting his <laughs> message board. You had to go. You had to go to a Usenet forum to to voice your displeasure. Um. So he gets casted. Everyone is sort of not everyone. People people up out there are upset, which is I think just helpful to know because whenever they cast the next Bond, the same thing's going to happen. People are going to lose it. Um. And and you know I, I don't know about you guys. The only two things I remember seeing him in before this um were um. Um, Road to Perdition in Munich. I only knew Road to Perdition. Hmm. Okay. Uh, otherwise, like, I don't really, you know, and I didn't really reckon, you know. Well, like, he, he wasn't, you know, you didn't know him by name before this. Mm-mm. You might recognize Mm-mm. him, but this is when Daniel Craig became marquee name Daniel Craig. Yes, yes. And, and I know he uh, almost didn't take it uh, because A, he was kind of worried about, you know, uh, just sort of like once you get typecasted as as Bond, what can you do after that? And also, you know, fairly didn't really like the way the series was going. But then once he saw um, how it was, the script was like, okay, this seems like a you know a more 2006 action movie than like the old Pierce Brosnan ones that had gotten pretty silly at this point. Mm-hmm. Um. The other fun fact, I don't know if you guys saw this before we jump into anything else on Bond or the movie. Originally, at one point, there was talk of uh, Tarantino was going to direct this movie with Pierce Brosnan, and it was going to take place in like in the 60s. And I think it might have been black and white in his idea. I like the version we have. That sounds... That guy just loves to talk, man. (laughs) Yeah, he does. I, that and sounds, I like most of his movies, but like, shut up, dude. That God. sounds 
super obnoxious and I really want to see it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by it, but I'm happy we got the version we have now. And then the wasn't, other... Wasn't he also going to direct Star Trek for a time? Like, I don't... I, as Joseph, he talks a lot. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think he... He's not good at keeping... He was going to do a rated R Star Trek. That's right. That's what yeah. it was. Isn't that all you have to hear? Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think we should bring up, because, you know, Daniel Craig may be getting to the end of being Bond. Um, the other guy that they almost casted, but they didn't because he's too young. And I only say this because I'm guess I'm wondering if he'll come up as the next Bond, is Henry Cavill. But he nah. was only 22 at the to- at the point. So he's, I don't think they should go that way. Well, I guess is he's he tech- is he uh, British? I think so. I, I don't really. I've, I guess I've only ever seen him in. I guess technically Mission Impossible and DC movies. So I was gonna say that I'm surprised he would be available, but I guess technically he's done for now, at least with the DCU. Well, until, uh, yeah, until from- they do the Weed and Cut Part Two. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or whatever, um, you know. So, um, he's, he's too... I feel like... I don't you know can't be Superman sp- and James Bond. Sorry. That's a good point. That's a good point. Also, I think... He, yeah, I was going to say, he's too, like... He's too hunky. Like, there's a line you you cross, and I think he's <laughs> he's he's too far in the, over that line. So, he's too good-looking to be James Bond. Well, and also just, like, he's too jacked. Like... <laughs> He's. I don't think of James Bond as like, you know, that giant of. A so dude. he's like he's like an Adonis, basically. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. he's. I, I kind of I think I know what you mean. Like you gotta be if you're gonna be James Bond, you kind of gotta be. A, like really attractive, but like a uniquely attractive, like a non-traditionally attractive, which might be. A well, you're you're a spy. You have to blend in. Yeah, yeah. I I I see what you mean. I agree. Yeah, that you're right. I agree with you. So I also want to um, throw a little um, uh, with this movie a little uh, credit uh, in my mind, and and I'm and I am um, influenced because I saw The Dreamers before this movie came out, <laughs> uh, which had an effect on me. Uh, Ava Green is just wonderful. Yeah, and I think she's the best the, the of the movies we've seen. I think she's the best Bond girl that we've had. She's, I, you know, again. I had- bar is pretty low but she's one of the most developed bond girls and that the scene with them on the train like you know like the kind of the back and forth between her and bond is just awesome yeah that was like the that was like the coolest thing you could put on screen for about 10 years from like 2005 to 2015 is to have british people uh tell their rival things about themselves just from looking at them like yeah. it fueled like this movie and like the Sherlock series, like audiences could not get enough of uh, people <laughs> reading like tiny clues about another person's body language and then like psychologically breaking them down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fortunately, we've gotten bored of that, but there, there was a good run where that was in a lot of stuff. And when it works, like I feel like it really works in this. Well, they, have, is, they have really awesome. good chemistry. Yeah. And it's, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, they're both very good, but yeah, she's, uh, I've never seen the Dreamers. Well, it uh, works here because it's not a nerd doing it, like Benedict Cumberbatch. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I think I said Ava Green. Eva Green is what I meant to say. Um, yeah, and the other thing I think, let's give um, some credit to um, to Daniel Craig. Uh, you know, whenever I can throw these little, like, nuggets of interest, I, I'll let you know. 
Um, the uh, the scene in the shower originally, as it was written, of course, is she used like in her underwear. <laughs> and Daniel Craig apparently changed it so that she'd be fully clothed because he quote or he I don't know if this is quoted but he th- he didn't think she'd take the time to undress before getting in the shower which makes sense in that in that like because scene if, because if you've bothered to take off the dress <laughs> yeah I mean like, it um, doesn't um, make sense uh, among many reasons why that yeah that's and she's not I, going in the shower to just like clean herself. No, she's <laughs> not. She's not in a good frame of mind. So yeah, yeah. That, was, that was the right decision because uh, that scene would have just become unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, and and just yeah, I agree. So, Joe, what do you think, man? You think we go into this bond rating? Yeah, I'm ready to do it. Are you guys ready? Yeah, yeah. yeah Is Daniel Craig ready to receive our withering criticism? I mean, to be he judged, survived. To be, he survived the press before this movie came out. So to I, be well, judged by his this. peers, his podcasting peers. I mean, the real question is, what kind of studio edits do they make to this new Bond movie once they hear this? A and and B. I mean, he's going to be naturally intimidated because all three of us are taller than him mm-hmm. by several inches. Yep. Good point. Are, are three just uh, podcasting giants? <laughs> Duff was taller when he was in fourth grade. <laughs> I could I could have just put my hand out and he would have run into it. Yeah, he he tried to fight you and you just put you just stiff arm him in the forehead and he'd just be swinging at air in front of you. So you could win in a fight against Daniel Craig. <laughs> Cannon. All right. So what do we got? We're bond rating. We've got uh, bloodshed, allure, humor, nerve, deception. Yeah. We're, um, where are you guys at for bloodshed? Just the delivery of violence. I mean, I don't know how you don't give him the five on this one. This is, this is maybe not in kill count, but like with just the different. He shoots someone with a nail gun. He, um, I just think like he drowned someone in a sink. That's his first kill. He drowned someone in a sink. Uh, he catches a gun in midair at one point when uh, in the parkour scene yeah. when the guy throws a gun at him and he catches it. Uh, there's the airport thing where he you know tricks a guy to blow himself up. This is a five out of five for bloodshed. Okay, Duff. Uh, yeah, I go with five. I, I don't have anything else. Just re- really, you know, given the effort, it just, you can tell he's given a hundred percent. As someone who's very afraid of fights, <laughs> the fact that, that he is jumping off of like construction cranes to pursue guys, that's a five. He's got a five. Yeah, this is, this is the he, peak bond with he, uh in he action. wants it more than any of the other bots now I, I wonder just for the sake of playing devil's advocate how how much of his delivery of violence is credited to just improved 21st century filmmaking and how much of it is improved is a credit to him because well and and in my argument in I, I have an argument on both sides so um I, i'll let you guys weigh in first well, I mean, this movie is definitely influenced, you know, uh, Goldeneye was, what, 95? Here we are 11 years later. We mentioned, like, The Matrix coming out in 99. We have the Born Identity series at this point, too, that's been going. So you definitely um, see more of uh, emphasis on hand-to-hand combat you also, in these Bond movies. You also mm-hmm. have uh, the big, obviously there's always big Asian martial arts movies, but you also have Crouching Tiger, which was a American hit. Mm. And that kind of brought about a 
I think along with the, I'm with the Matrix, which is obviously influenced by martial arts movies, but you had a, a renewed interest in hand-to-hand combat in action yeah. movies. Well, the Matrix yeah. and I don't think Crouching Tiger, but I th- I think the Matrix used this one of the same fight choreographers as Hero. I know it's the same one that did a lot of the stuff in Kung Fu Hustle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of the Wuja fight choreographers were coming over to Hollywood and and that definitely not the Wuja films have much in common with what they're doing at Casino Royale but it definitely got better I, I think John Woo coming over also prob- probably brings an influx of yep. Hong Kong talent and over here too this was also the period where you had remember in the late 90s when all of a sudden there were Jackie Chan movies in American mm-hmm. multiplexes you had Rumble in the Bronx and yeah. uh God was a uh Shanghai like, Nights, Shanghai Night, uh, Shanghai op- Noon. <laughs> for some reason, for some reason, I remember this because I saw uh, Operation Condor. I remember. Oh seeing, yeah, I remember Operation Condor. Like I, I saw that in a theater, and it was just, it was weird because they weren't that. They didn't have anyone else famous in them. There wasn't any big high concept like Men in Black types uh, idea. It was just all of a sudden you had these Jackie Chan action movies appearing in the late 90s thanks to rush and I, hour uh, and uh, that was a big part of it yeah i think rush hour was first right uh and that I, proved that he had a, an appeal to american audiences but, yeah i think those uh, movies were made beforehand but yeah they did they did start re-releasing them i think after rush hour um okay. or around there and then like i said i think like i don't think we can understate the born identity and the born supremacy coming out in the aughts as well before this and i I was going to say this till later, but I'll just tease it, is that this is also post-9-11 Bond. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, well, we can, get into that. Okay. We, we can get into that later, but there's there's a... And, you know, it's not the entire the entirety of 9-11 because The Matrix was already much darker than action movies on the whole of that decade, but you you definitely see a shift after 9/11 into darker action movies and it's the the period of the gritty reboot mm-hmm. there's no doubt but but do you really think you mentioned born identity i i think i don't really see the same like i don't really think it's edited as quickly and as incoherently as the born identity films are though like i i think you see more uncut like sustained sequences of action in this one than you do in the born identity ones like it's it seems i i believe that and and maybe i'm wrong but i believe that daniel craig is doing more than i believe matt damon is oh yeah it's not not cut nearly as fast yeah i would agree with that i would agree stylistically it's different but i think just the idea of like hand-to-hand combat with a spy and and that sort of already being i i totally see the born ident uh the born movies connection and but i even if they're stylistically different in ways i think the biggest thing is the tone yeah that's that, true that you know think of spy movies in the 90s versus spy movies in the aughts and oh, yeah. that it, in the aughts i think it's just and again this is where i think like 9-11 and current events bring things into it is that all of a sudden you know, people want realism because that stuff was in the news so much. And all of a sudden, this kind of broad, uh, humorous, James Bond-esque uh, archetype was 
the and I mean the like the golden eye James Bond like it was no longer I think everyone realized that you know that just wasn't real and it was it wasn't as funny anymore it wasn't yeah it's too important to be silly yeah it it wasn't as entertaining one interesting just thing I'll point out is it's the same golden eye and casino rail it's the same director yeah is that wild so so how much of it how much of it is because now not to say that directors are obviously they have a lot of influence over how good action scenes are but I I think fight choreographers get really underrated with stuff like this um, Mm -hmm. and stunt people too so I wonder how much of it is I, I just think that that makes it that makes the question interesting because it is the same director 11 years later. How much of it is because of his, you know, growth as an artist, how, how much of it is maybe he hired different people to set up these fight scenes and action scenes, how much of it is because, per, and, and this is what I'm asking is like, potentially is, can Daniel Craig just do more than Pierce Brosnan could? Yeah. I don't know. It, it's, I don't, I can't answer that, but it's just something I, that I, I think honest, about. I honestly think that, uh, 9-11 is also a big factor in that just everything shifted and that yeah. you, stuff that was you know even in 2002 which I think was the pre the last uh, Brosnan movie you know stuff that would seem plausible then no longer seem plausible mm-hmm. well I just mean it not so much about tone and stuff but it's more about just how how exciting the fight scenes are yeah, no, I don't know that 9/11 necessarily has anything. You're thinking of more that. of the you're thinking for more of a technical side. Joe. Yeah, okay. I, I'm thinking about it. That I get you. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about allure. Allure, yeah, let's jump into it. I think this this is there might be some debate here. Yeah, Duff, let's get let's start you out here on this. Man, this is this is a real tough one because I I do think that Daniel Craig is obviously a great looking dude. I mean, he and gets I, complimented on keeping his body in shape when he's on the gaming chair. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's and it's weird because I say this as, and it sounds like it's negating him, but also I think this is what makes him great and what makes him unique as Bond and as an actor is he's not he's not necessarily like the best at being like charming sexy in my opinion he and this might have to do with you know the what they were going for with the darkness and the kind of the tortured bond Mm -hmm. so i think i think i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with a four Oh, okay. okay. It's still like, yeah. All right. I thought, I thought I was prepared for something drastically low. That four is totally fair. I mean, I, I think it's a low four, but yeah. I mean, I'll go farther. I have him as a three. Wow. Um, he couple. I mean, this isn't all him, but listen, we're judging the bond versus the, the bonds that we know. Sure. He declined sex to go chase that guy in Miami. <laughs> okay. You lose but that, a point. That, that's not. That's not. That has nothing to do with allure. Well, because it was. It's not about take like accepting the women that are throwing themselves at you. That that shows he had the allure. He just chose not to take advantage of it. Yeah, that's true. But I, I just think in general, like you know, it's sort of. I mean, she's the one woman who kind of throws herself at him, and she's pretty unhappy and miserable. Um, whereas, like you know, with with uh, Vesper, did, it's didn't sort he, of like didn't he win her? 
Yeah, that's true. You want her. Uh, uh, whereas with Vesper, it's sort of like a slow build. I mean, it's it's. I mean, this movie is in a lot of ways similar to Honor Majesty's Secret Service, right? And that it's like th- this and that movie are actually like a big part of them is this love story that mm-hmm. occurs in them. Um, so it's a little bit different. And it's harder to like, you know. And he, listen, he looks good when he comes out of the water. <laughs> and it's you know. Although I will say this, you know what? Here's here's my here's my idea. You know the people who are angry about. Daniel Craig being casted and they don't like this bond. This is not their bond that they like. Mm-hmm. I think I know why it is, guys. It has nothing to do with height. It has okay. nothing to do with dark hair. It's simply because the the people who say that, and they're probably men, they take their shirts off, they look in the mirror, it's hairy. Yeah, well, I mean, that... The, and Daniel right. Craig, Daniel Craig is, you know, he's a beta boy. Yeah, man. If he shaved his chest, come on, bro. Let it go. So, I, <laughs> I don't know I, if he did. Maybe he just doesn't have chest hair, but that's pretty smooth, man. I think people are mad about that. I think that's deep down what their issue with him is. is they don't like this this hairless bond. <laughs> I'm I'm upset that there's actually probably something to this theory. <laughs> I'm sure th- I'm sure there's some Freudian subconscious that you're right. It just set dudes off. Yeah, they're like, listen, this is the for for sixty years. It's been okay. To have a hairy chest, <laughs> even when it stopped being cool, it was still fine because I kept finding these good-looking men to do it, and then they do this. Yeah, I mean, you know, think about the the wide range of ages in the James Bond uh, fan base, and there were there's a good chunk of guys who remember Burt Reynolds. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, no, I've had enough. <laughs> So I'm gonna go for three. Still solid. I just, I just, he's a three. Uh, all right, I'm going. I'm going four. He's very attractive. Uh, he's he's uh, fairly charming. Uh, he doesn't get a five because he does not show enough evidence of worldliness in this film. Like, mm. uh, can you now? Timothy Dalton is it attracted to his Bond girl because of her. Uh, cello playing like this man appreciates the arts do you do you think you could go to a the theater with daniel craig's bond i think he would be bored yeah it's a great point joe actually that's yeah i 100 percent sign on to this so i i if i can't go to a film festival or to the theater with a bond like they're they're maxed out at a four because uh-huh. it's not just about sex yeah. with the lure it's 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 about it's about being able to appeal to people of different kinds of interests and i don't think that he can do that i he he shows at, at least in this film he 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 and and perhaps it again we can only grade what's put in front of us perhaps if he was put in a position where he wasn't dating a nerd accountant he would have a chance to talk <laughs> about art but but in this case he just doesn't show the worldliness that i need okay i like that i like that take yeah, okay, yeah. How, how about humor? Th- th- I'm really curious about this. Was the one I had the most uh, trouble with, and I'm wondering if you guys had the same one, same uh, difficulty rating this. Uh, this one is really hard because there's not a lot of jokes in this movie. So how do you rate them? Uh, I yeah, it's very dry when he does it, and I. But, but I, I think towards like so I think the first half of the movie he it is pretty dry and there's not a lot of like 
humor with mm-hmm. him. Yeah. But um, towards the end, it kind of like, listen, when he's being tortured and he says that he's got a little itch. <laughs> yeah. To the right, to the right. <laughs> um, And then, you know, and then they get like the sexy tease when he's talking to to um, Vesper and he's talking about his, you know, if, if it's just a little finger and he's like, you haven't seen what my little finger can do. Like there's, there's some, there's some fun yeah. and, and humor towards the end. And when he gets uh, revived in the car. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, oh, funny. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when yeah. he, when he, and, and this, I don't think it's, I don't really think it should. Okay. Uh, never mind. I'm going to say this for nerve. Cause I think it's a better fit for nerve. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm going with three, uh, you know he he's good and it's just really you know I I want to give him a little bit of a handicap but again this this is not a humorous funny movie so uh, but on the other hand I'm not going to give him higher than the other bonds. Okay, that's fair. I I also gave him a three. I I think he could. And I think in other films, Daniel Craig as an actor has proven he can be kind of. Funny. Oh, absolutely! But uh, he, he's he, hilarious in uh, *Knives Out*. Yeah, he's done the best. He does the best he can here. I I really think if he was James Bond in a 1960s, 70s, 80s, or 90s James Bond, in some of those, I think he would have been funnier than the than that Bond. But again, we can only assess what Brits puts put in front of us. Yep. And uh, I think in this case, it's a three. He d- he does solid work with what he's given, but it's nothing special. I'm going to give him a four. Okay. Um, because of the, the scene I talked about. And also, um, there's a part where he orders, like after he lost all his money and he orders a, uh, a drink and they ask him if he wants it, the bartender asks if he wants it shaken or stirred. And he's like, do I look like I give a damn? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's good. He's, I just think like, it's, you're right. It's a pretty, like, there's not a lot of humor in the movie, but it all comes from him. Yeah. Yeah, man, you, maybe I'm being too harsh on him. This this is one where I had trouble it's, between three and a four. It's really hard to tell just because of how grim a movie it is. Yeah. <sighs> I'm changing it to a four. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, I was like at a three and a half, and I was going to wait to hear what you guys said. But, Rob, you convinced me. I'm, I'm bringing it up to a four. Okay. All right, how about Nerve? Just being cool under pressure. Uh, six. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I, I will go with five. Just, uh, you know, if nothing else, the, the nut torture scene. And, <laughs> torture. Um, but the, the other scene that I think is a legitimately great scene and kind of gets forgotten is, uh, the cardiac arrest mm-hmm. sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. And he hobbles. He, he's been poisoned. And he's having a heart attack and hobbles out to his sports car to get his little spy kit, which yeah. is well, awesome, even, by the way. Even and before that, he goes to the bathroom and drinks, put up, grabs the salt and puts it in the water to throw yep, up. He tries. Yep. And you know what? He does everything 100% right that they didn't charge the battery, those jerks at MI6. Well, no. The cord, well, the he wire. Well, the cord in. Well, whatever. It's fa- faulty equipment. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, just how bad it, is it? To, badass is it to give yourself 
the defibrillator shock. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be fun. I, I I'm I'm I agree. I think he's a five for nerve. Yeah, absolutely a five because not only does he get to showcase nerve in 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 spy situations, but he's playing poker like the nerviest sport there is, and like. Mm. The the him and Mads just staring each other down at the poker table. Oh, I could give me another hour of it. Yeah. Just I, both of them steely eyed. Both of their, their faces are so incredible. Uh, well, Daniel Craig has those those blue eyes, which I would assume in post production they enhance that, but but I don't know. Yeah, there is some eye enhancement because Eva Green's eyes are just like uh, so green at times in the movie. But but just uh, like Daniel Craig and, and Mads both have such great faces for mm-hmm. film and and seeing them face off against each other at the poker table was a treat. I want to make sure that we mentioned that Lashif has an unexplained uh, eye face injury, it's like a <laughs> giant slash, and that it's he a ca- weeping eye. He occasionally well, weeps blood out. Well, of we'll his get eye. to that when we talk about him, the villain. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's so cool, man. It, you're right. Well, let's do deception then, and then we, then we can move. Then we can talk uh, math. Okay. Um, Just general I, general spycraft. Listen, he's a one. He's a one. What? Yeah, he's a one. First off, right away when they're they they create their whole aliases and they come in there, he just tells them exactly who he is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's All true. right. Then then um, he should be like the only reason Bond is even alive is because the like. Mr. White comes in there out of nowhere and kills the guy who's torturing him. Yeah. There's nothing about what Bond... Here's... I'll even go farther. The whole ending of the movie where he chases down Eva Green and that whole thing, why? None of it mattered. Like, nothing he did helped. He could have just stayed in the room and looked in the bag. Yeah. One. Uh, I guess I'm actually... I... Well, was he, he was trying to stop her from uh, getting the money. Yeah, but he didn't. So you're saying they, if he didn't get involved, everything would have been better. Well, the money—I everything... guess the money falls into the water. Yes. Okay. So I guess we presume that they—you're ne- presuming they never recover it. So th- yeah. Well, I mean, everyone okay. is dead, and the money is lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but but I I think it's fair to assume that they could have. Uh, all right, maybe I'm reaching here, but I mean, it's fair to assume that looked like a pretty fancy case, so I would assume it's waterproof. I mean, the truth is, a guy with asthma almost killed him with with nut trauma. <laughs> I mean, he he isn't the one that does. It's like he defeats him in hand to hand combat. I'm just saying that's what happens. I'm giving. I'm holding on to that one for deception. All right. I, yeah, I have to go with a two. Originally, I was gonna split the difference and go with a three, but. He really makes no effort to hide who he is, um, and he's like a newly minted double O. <laughs> even even the one time he is trying to hide what's going on when he's kissing Vesper Lynn in the hallway, he blows it because he's got the earpiece. They see. Oh yeah, that's a good point too. Um, yeah, there's never any suspense about whether about whether Mads knows he's a spy or not. Yeah, it's, it's it's the world's worst kept secret that MI6 sent a spy to this poker game. <laughs> I mean, Felix is doing a way better job for the CIA, as far as we know. But he doesn't win. Well, no. And but... I think that that matters. 
Well, that's not deception. Well, sure it is. Poker that's is nerve. deception. Poker's deception too. Okay. All right. That's fair. Uh yeah. <laughs> Joe, what's your what's your rating? Uh, I gave him a three, but now I'm thinking maybe a two is is more appropriate. Cause he... Okay, so I think that he He screws up a lot. <laughs> and I do I do wonder how much of that is intentional. Uh, I don't remember the ones that fall. I I, I I guess we maybe would have ended up talking about this later, but I'm pretty, like, I, I'm kind of much colder about the rest of the Daniel Craig Bonds than the rest of people. Like, I, I didn't really like Skyfall that much, and maybe that just makes me a psycho idiot, but it's because it seems like everyone loves that movie, but... I like Skyfall. I didn't dislike it. I just thought it was just okay. I thought this I think movie was way better, but... I think Skyfall is my favorite Bond movie I've seen. Yeah, maybe I need to rewatch watch it again and try it again but i i I don't i I don't don't know know how much of it in this film was intentional to show that he's inexperienced and how much of it maybe is just that the daniel craig bond sucks at spying Uh, i don't know (laughs) i mean the thing is most of the bonds are pretty bad at deception (laughs) yeah that's true i i think he's very good at at manipulate at like working with people and manipulating people great at running (laughs) uh i think that he all right you got me, Rob. He's a two. <laughs> I had, I gave him the highest rating out of the, the three of us. So Daniel Craig gets a 20 out of 25 on the Bond scale. Wow. Uh, then, well, he's really good. No, I'm not. I'm just, you know. Not, it's just, not my not my highest score, though. No. You no, you give up high scores a lot. You're like an NBA slam dunk contest <laughs> judge. I mean, like, these. do you really think most of the Bonds are bad? No. I only think one so, bond is bad. So then shouldn't they all get pretty high scores? Yeah. No, okay. Okay. And I mean you're two points behind me. <laughs> well Duff with a nine points. Duff with a nineteen and Rob with an eighteen. So this is probably the we were all within two point I mean Yeah. Just two point separation. Yeah. Um which is well, not the closest, uh for Lazen B. So so we save we the rest one. for the end? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's yeah, save, we can save, save the rest cool. for the end. So, but just I'm just saying, like right now, all pretty close. Not the closest, and um, good scores, high scores across the board. I mean, we all. I mean, I I don't. We got to, when you get in the nitty gritty. It sometimes seems like you're nitpicking, but I think we yeah. all agree he's he's great as Bond. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, yeah. It's, it, and, and I like how it's different. I like how he's a different Bond. Um, okay, let's go into um, the other uh, supporting characters. Yeah, so I know we've talked a little bit about Mads uh, Mickelson as as the villain. I mean, I think that's the villain, right? Like, I know there's a Mr. White thing, he, but who cares? Who cares? He's, he's I didn't even remember that he existed. Yeah, yeah. Mads, I, is, <laughs> Mads is the only villain people remember. Yeah. Um, so I, right away, I think the important question is, which ailment would you rather have? Would you rather <laughs> occasionally weep blood out of your eye or have asthma and have to carry around your inhaler everywhere you go blood i'm with you joe i don't want to carry something around <laughs> also I, like the blood thing is cool and and he said that there it there's no pain or it doesn't signify anything it just oozes blood every once in a while <laughs> it's just it's like a blade like i'd rather have like bloody noses are worse I'd rather have a little blood come out of my eye if it wasn't painful or meant anything. Yeah, my, as my dad had 
has asthma and i just remember like all the inhalers over the years and keeping track of them and the prescription you have to read i, all I the was time. about to say you don't got to go to walgreens for that weeping eye you can yeah, just, just use no. kleenex yep yeah or you could or you can like now have like a good reason to have stylus stylish handkerchiefs yes i was about <laughs> to just say that rob like I, I i wish i had an excuse to carry out around a stylish handkerchief I guess also, yeah, you don't need one to, to get one. But. <laughs> also, if you, you get it, if you get tired of the weeping eye, and you can do another badass thing. This is an eye patch. Hmm. Yeah, but is that just that's just gonna soak up all the blood? That's just to I don't want so, it to pool in my eye area. That's just so people won't look at you for the blood. Oh, okay. They'll just oh, like okay. you. Just they'll just they'll know not to mess with the dude with the eye patch. But that's part of the appeal of having that is people freaking people out. Mm-hmm. It's a good it's a good party trick. <laughs> okay, well, sorry for anyone with asthma out there. Well, I think oh, they would. Know I mean, if I, you'd rather have a weeping, bloody eye. Yeah, just I mean, care like I hate carrying things. I don't want to have stuff. <laughs> like I have to have a wallet. Yeah. These days, you you have to have your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to these days. You got to have an inhaler pocket sewn in. <laughs> and then you have to have your keys. I don't, I don't want to wear cargo pants thing. for the rest of my life. I don't want anything else. <laughs> for my inhaler? Yeah, no, he's a he's a great villain. And, and also, like, I do like that they, you know, we make jokes about the bleeding eye. It is, like, a cool thing, and it, like, maintains, like, something in the, um like, the Bond villainy, right? There needs to be something silly. And the fact that his blood comes out of his eye unexplained sometimes. And am I am I wrong? They never talk about it. Be, no. About <laughs> well, in in the his like game in the boat, he like apologizes for it, but yeah, but he never right. Really but I I think it's cool that you're just left to wonder like how did this eyes how did this dude's <laughs> eye get jacked up. I mean, I'm guessing some money he owed that he didn't. Well, uh... That's the thing. <laughs> I like it when movies do that. Where well, they, yeah, and they have a scar on the skin above and below it. So it looks like he got cut with like a, a knife or something. It looks like someone took a machete to his face. Yeah. I, yeah. Can can we do a little Mads appreciation here? Sure. sure. I mean, I mean, I, I think I, the I, internet is all over that. But yeah, I know. But I, I mean, he he's I think one of the best Bond villains ever. Just as a as a perform performer, he he's so menacing, and his Mads his face is so like evocative like he has he, such a unique look he has uh, such a i would call it scandinavian <laughs> well yeah, he's yeah i mean <laughs> from denmark yeah but i mean I, he he kind of to me he embodies that very uh cold uh scandinavian uh darkness like that when i look at mads mickelson's face that's what i see is i just kind of you know, it's like, like almost like the most terrifying like Norse mythology. <laughs> like that's how the many. Ca- that's how the- many. How many jobs has he taken away from Stelling Skarsgård now? Is like the <laughs> new cold, uh, <laughs> Scan- cold like Scandinavian guy, Northern but, European face dude. But the thing to be around. But what I love about him is he can do comedy too. Like he's been really, really funny in films as well. And uh, I just, I just think he's one of the great character actors out there right now. Uh, well, I, every time he shows up, I love him. And, he, uh, and of course, Duff and I are Hannibal boys. And oh man, one of 
the most everyone talks about twin peaks being the weirdest thing ever on network tv i think it's hannibal yeah as someone who watched the first season of hannibal and was like you know what this is too dark for me and it was on network (laughs) tv it aired on friday night on nbc there were there were (laughs) there were commercials for olive garden on it I (laughs) i i just think it's it's so cool it just makes me so happy when like guys like Mads can end up in awesome franchises like this, and in a, in a later Daniel Craig one, then you get Christoph Waltz, who I think is is also fantastic. Yeah, in a different yeah. way. I think he's more and like, Javier Bardem later yeah, on. Too. So I, yes. I yeah, I will say that I, the Craig ones are uh, literally every <laughs> hit and miss. Like I think two are very very good or great, and two are just kind of boring. But what they all have is really great villains. Yeah. Also, credit to Mads on this because as much as, you know, Lashif is cool, he kind of isn't, right? Like, I mean, he's he carries around he's, his inhaler. He's just he, a, yeah, he's a con man. and he's, he's owes money. He gets his ass kicked. <laughs> he gets killed. Like, not even by Bond, just by another guy that's like a bigger villain than him. Like, on paper... There's a lot that you should be like, this guy isn't that great. He, but yet he, with he, Mads, he's the most memorable part. He tortures by delivering like a grade school playground injury. I'm going to yeah. hit you in the nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah. That know, said, I don't want to be in that chair. No. No, no I don't um, either. Unless you I had don't... a niche. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. Who? I know we've talked about this and I think it's off air. Who's the director who like just does weird stuff like makes Raiders that are lost Ark into a silent movie. Soderbergh. Soderbergh. Soderbergh yeah. So Steven Soderbergh, um, I know you're, you're uh, a fan and a listener. Um, <laughs> please, please somehow edit where you swap out Orson Welles and Mads Mikkelsen uh, <laughs> into each other. <laughs> it so that uh, Mads is in, uh, what's the ter- the terrible Casino Royale? Casino Royale, yeah. And and Orson Welles with his uh, contractually mandated magic tricks is transported into this one. Yeah, yeah, that's a funny idea. I mean, <laughs> Orson Welles and this Casino Royale doing magic tricks in front of Daniel Craig <laughs> is incredible. Yeah, it's a good um, idea. Okay. Uh, the uh, the other thing we need to talk about before we get into our final ratings here is. And I don't know. I maybe I have a controversial take on here. Let's talk about the music, Duff. Oh well, we didn't. Did you want to talk about Jeffrey Wright? We didn't get to him. He was the only one. Um, he he. I think he's really memorable in this as like a supporting character. I think people would recognize him from Westworld probably the most, right? Yeah. Um, but he's been in a lot of other things as he well. Was, I don't want to sell, sell he's in a lot of stuff. What's in the? Uh, what's the Jarmish movie with Bill Murray where he's going to like conf- go to his daughter that he doesn't know shoot oh uh, broken, broken flowers broken flower i for some reason i always think of jeffrey wright from Bro- broken flowers he's a, he's a really Hunger good Games. actor and i i really think it speaks to his talent that this is a like a poker table scene that has mads mickelson daniel craig but jeffrey wright totally holds his own with those two guys at the same table okay so since we're talking about jeffrey wright and his character felix i don't know if it's leader or lighter um but uh, what what do you guys have any thoughts on um, the uh, continuity in Bond movies? Like, do you think there's there's two prevailing theories? 
One okay. is that um, it doesn't matter. Like, these just sort of exist in their own little world, and then Bond is ageless. It's not any different than, like, Charlie Brown, I guess, in that way, right? <laughs> like, yeah. that doesn't age, or The Simpsons, or anything else. It just lives in this yeah. world that exists. It's almost like a cartoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's another theory that, like, there is a continuity to it, and that M is, like creating new bonds and like it's sort of like almost i guess like the do way the, jedis the bond, are raised up do the bonds just keep getting killed and we don't see it well kind of and we in like these bonds are always like orphans or something and then they're raised into the group and then like you know, they're assigned double <laughs> seven and they're given the name james bond and off they go hmm. and because uh felix so eventually this, some james bond is going to go in and kill all the little orphan new james bonds like anakin does <laughs> little bondlings <laughs> bondlings um and even like uh uh the felix the jeffrey wright plays felix um felix leader or lighter we've seen him in a bunch of movies already he's in goldfinger played by a different actor he's in um the living daylights played by john terry he's in this as jeffrey wright so that's another guy who's kind of changing so i don't know I don't know if this is even interesting, to be honest, but I, I guess it's just kind of fascinating. I didn't realize there was this theory that, like, they are all – there is, like, a linear storyline on here. I, I, I think this is a reboot. I don't know. Just, yeah. But but I, I I do see – I see how you could say that, that, like, there's just, like, a, a new James Bond – every time the old one dies they like bring another one in as james bond but again if you're gonna be a spy agency maybe you'd come up with a new name yeah because everyone maybe that would explain why everyone knows who james bond is all the time though <laughs> yeah because he's I, literally like oh another one of these bond guys again i think what, that what, having... what does this one look like yeah <laughs> he's oh, blonde. blonde that's bullshit <laughs> that's not hairy enough i think that uh having felix in the movies uh disproves the continuity theory because obviously, unless the CIA is doing the exact same Maybe thing. Maybe the CIA is doing the exact same well, thing. Well, then this movie owns the CIA because Felix is not good at poker. No, but no. I did I did want to bring up, and again, this is a very uh, post-9-11 gag, is that Bond loses the British money, and they won't give him any more. And I love how Felix is like, oh, 10 million, whatever, yeah, here. It's like, just it just... Re- uh, represents our limitless budget for folly in the name of the war on terror. Like hmm. think, think of like the United States and ten million. Oh, that's pocket change. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Duff, do you want to talk about the music? Not really. I, <laughs> I, okay. I, it's. I don't it, want to hear anything bad about Chris Cornell. Like I just, it's just gonna make me sad if you guys. So here, here's the thing about the music. It's it's not necessarily bad. It's just boring. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. That song's I, bad. It's it's not Chris uh, Cornell's fault though. He wrote it. I no. other than other I, than that, it's not his fault. I don't I don't know. Side of writing and performing it. I don't know if it's bad. It's just it's number one. I'd forgotten all about it. Me and too. I, and I heard it. I'm like, uh, it's. I had to listen to it again before we started this because I, I honestly could not remember it. So I don't know if it's necessarily bad. It's not my, the, it, I don't think it's the worst theme song of the movies we've covered. It here's, no. the, here's the thing. It is 
the blandest mid aughts rock you can. It's imagine. another very thing that hits two thousand six, right? Yeah, I mean, so like, I don't know if that is fair to say. Okay. Maybe it is fair to say that it's bad, and, and then just say like a lot of the other theme songs we've had are bad too. But so I, it's just this, very average, just I, very middling stuff. I think that the James Bond owners, meaning uh, Broccoli, and I think at this Cubby. point Cubby was isn't it his daughter now who's doing it at this point? I think it is like uh, I don't know if it's his daughter or a member of family member of his is yeah, following. Yeah, it's along. it's a family business. <laughs> But at this, you know, I feel like they're not always the best at uh, reading the zeitgeist. And I think Casino Royale gets tons right about what to do with an action movie. But they've kind of been hit or miss over the years, guessing as to, you know, what artist really represents the kind of moment. I don't think Chris Cornell in 2006 (laughs) is a great representation of music it's it's just super bland and like were the were they big audio slave fans <laughs> so i, I mean i i, I think it, i think he i think he has the chops to sing a good bond song but he should not have wrote, written it. like it, like if someone yeah. else wrote a great song for him to sing i think it could have been great because i do think yeah. he has a great voice but he has a great they, he has a great voice i don't you know, I know, I know, I know. You're, I know. You're from not saying from that he does from it, everything but. I've heard, Chris Cornell, uh, you know, solid guy, had some demons, but uh, he he worked very hard. And well, the the thing the thing that I think is also weird about this movie, and I get why they do it, but we don't hear like the Bond theme song that we know so well until the end, and they and they use like you know sort of the sound of this song in the score instead which i think is weird and doesn't quite work but i know what they're trying to do right because it's meant to be as joe mentioned like a reboot I, so yeah, I, didn't, I didn't mind the way the score worked in the movie actually I, that didn't bother me at all but i think the score in the movie is fine i don't think it's super memorable but it's 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 fine but mm-hmm. i do think and even though i agree that it doesn't especially with the music it doesn't always work but uh we're kind of again edging up on the topic of like reboots is it really is pretty drastic how this movie doesn't give fan service no um there's you know there's touches here and there uh and i think the song and the credit sequence are probably the biggest but you don't have you know you don't have q right you don't, don't have q you no. don't you don't have gadgets um you don't have many one-liners you don't have a lot of humor in general and uh, i mean it sounds dumb but i i feel like at the time like the whole thing about uh bond not caring whether his drink is shaken or stirred like there's just this whole group of nerds who just absolutely went nuts and if social media was around it's all we would have heard about well also like they you know there's a couple like jabs right there's that there's there's um when he's telling vesper they're they're like uh uh code names or whatever their aliases and he's like you're stephanie broadchest and she's like i am not like that's I kind of like. There's a couple of things like that that are kind of yeah, nice to like how silly Bond can be. I, I didn't think it was. Oh, and I hate I hate that kind of thing. I hate it, but it it didn't. 
I, I think as these kinds of franchises go, it wasn't that bad. Because it's fine. Because you know why? Because the joke is fine if you don't know it. Like that's that's why. Like it doesn't mm. require you to understand that Broadchest is like a reference to the dumb bond names of women before. You know what I mean? Like it does. It's a it's a joke either way. It, the joke yeah. works either way. Yeah, and 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 they, she had to have a code name, so it's not like they forced the yeah. yeah they didn't force that situation into it either. Yeah, so I think that's why it works. That said, I do. Like, there's part of me that understands that if you you know, grew up loving, you know, the Roger Moore ones. Like, this is a shock. Yeah. That said, that's fine. The series is 60 years old. Like, there are going to be changes. Yeah. That's uh, what I think is cool about it. And I would I would add to that, grow up and find something worthwhile to get mad about. Well, I right. would just add that your movies are still there. Yeah, like, they're just still there. Like, <laughs> like, I just am so... Well, I mean, that, that that's a big thing about evaluating this kind of thing in 2021 even if it would have been three years ago, we would have been way more tolerant of people getting annoyed about things like that. But the last three years have been yeah, just a true. bloodbath mm-hmm. of toxicity and weaponized nerddom. And these people all need to be flushed into toilets. <laughs> I know you guys all agree with me on that. So. Yeah. And it's, it really kind of shows how the, like you just said, the pendulum has swung back um, because you had, right here James Bond really breaking with so many hallmarks and kind of I don't think it was trying to alienate fans but it was saying look this movie isn't gonna uh, pander to you and now all these franchises have kind of swung back the other direction and that yeah. that's all that's going on now that's yeah that's a good point um, well Joe I don't know if you've done uh, finish tabulating but yeah i, I think have. what people really want to know i think the things is i think if you could let us know what each of us chose as our individual top bond and then what the group collective numbers between the three of us say is the best bond by bond rating oh i did not get the, the get the group average but I, I could probably figure that out pretty quickly because okay. one of us has a decision to make and i could do it oh. while that person's making a decision okay, okay. I'll, I'll start with me um, my my number one bond was Timothy Dalton. He got a twenty three out of twenty five. And you know sometimes when you use math, you use objectivity. <laughs> you're like, oh man, I think the numbers lied. In this case, I, I really do think he was great. I think he did the best balance between sort of the dark, gritty Bond. And and James Bond is a killer. I mean, mm-hmm. he he, yeah. he does he has a license to do it. He's a, a killer on behalf of uh, one of the Her bastions Majesty's of Secret imperialism Service. and evil in in the in world history. So, like, he, it should be kind of a dark character. But on the other hand, I, I think he also provides enough sexiness and lightness. I think he strikes the right balance. So okay. I, I'm very happy. I think the numbers worked out for me. I'm, I'm not ashamed at all to say Timothy Dalton is my favorite Bond, although I know that's not a popular opinion. Our friend Duff, uh, your number one bond was Pierce Brosnan. Oh, huh. interesting. Uh, with a, a 20 out of 25, just barely eking out. Uh, with me, uh, I had a three-point gap between my f- number one and number two. Daniel Craig was number two at 20. You had uh, Pierce Brosnan at a 20 out of 25, but Dalton and Daniel Craig both at 19. So you had two bonds oh, wow. very, very close. Do you do you uh, what do you think about that? Do you do you agree that Pierce Brosnan is better than Dalton and Craig? And do you following up on that? Would you also agree that 
those two uh, men are are very very close. Uh, you know, I'm. I think there is a lot to be said about whatever bond you saw when you were youngest is always your favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like the current, you know, in the theater or the current bond that at the time. So it's interesting because I think going through this, we've we've kind of examined these you know the james bonds not necessarily against the movie they're in just kind of in a vacuum um you know pierce brosnan intensely likable intensely charming and sexy Mm -hmm. so you know i'm perfectly fine with that um yeah and then it was tied between uh craig and uh who else was my second dalton Dalton yeah I you know this was all pretty close and I think all of them you know I don't have bad things to say about any of them uh maybe if we talked about more of the uh Brosnan sequels I would but yeah yeah I mean that is one thing is we did cherry pick right we we, on purpose we're choosing the best movies from each of these bonds not the full their full you know but that sort of makes uh, it fair I mean we did make an effort to give them you know their best one but but yeah, it's not a perfect science for sure. Uh, I would say um, I think Skyfall is the best uh, Craig movie. Um, okay. I think it. I think it combines um, enough. I think it combines a great villain with great set pieces, which is not unique. Um, but I also think it's it has a lot of greatness about the nature of James Bond and whether he's still needed or relevant. And I think that that's, again, like that's kind of a, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like the last Jedi. It's like, it had a lot of, I don't want to oversell it, but it has a lot of kind of like heavier themes compared to your usual James Bond movie. Sure. Okay. So Joe, I'm guessing I have a decision to make based off of, um, how you led this yep uh as usual rob is the most difficult member of the midnight boys <laughs> he has a three-way tie for first jeez oh. wow i mean uh, duff you're just nodding just saying yep of course <laughs> so all my you, friends are my favorite friends <laughs> you have uh, just like how duff and i are tied for your number one best friends uh <laughs> You have a three-way tie for your best bonds, all at eighteen, and also harsh greater. Jesus Christ! I know eighteen out of twenty-five for all three of these guys: Sean Connery, Timothy Dalton, and Daniel Craig. You got to pick one, big guy. Oh boy! <clears throat> um, the whole point is I don't have to pick one because the math chose. Um, okay, so um, g- gun to my head. I'm going to go with Sean Connery. And the reason would be because okay. I feel like in the middle categories of the bond, and we talked about this, we talked about Goldfinger with allure and, uh, and humor and, and nerve. He's just, he, I think I, he, I gave him very high scores on that. And where he fails is in deception and bloodshed. Um, and partly is probably just, you know, I, that's a lot of script based. So if I if I have to decide, I'm going to. You only gave him a him. three for nerve. Okay. And you gave Daniel Craig a five, and uh, Dalton a four. But but you were okay. correct that with allure and humor, he was straight fives. 
So both yeah, to your and, right. And so, so that's why I'm going to give it to him. Um, and he's the first, but they're all tied for a reason. I think um, all of them for different reasons, which is, I guess, kind of what I find interesting is they're bond in their own ways. And, and I, I kind of find that fun. Even Roger Moore, who <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I graded very harshly. Um, you know, there yeah, is sort of like 12. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is something fun about like that. There are these different bonds. I think that's fun. I think it's really fun. Everyone, so everyone knows that in science, when you have statistical ties, you just pick one. You pick your favorite. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's fair to make you pick one. No, yep. I, I think it's fair. I'm just noting that's how science works. So <laughs> this tells me that either Craig or Dalton must be our top vote getter between us. Um, it, it's it is actually pretty close, but yeah, the Midnight Boys Bond ratings uh, average high is Timothy Dalton. Wow, with a I... twenty. Now, now some might say, well, Joe jacks it up too much by giving him a 23 out of 25 but you guys are both at 18 and 19 so even mm-hmm. if it wasn't for me it'd be an 18 and a half if 18 and a half was his score he would be second only a half point behind daniel craig who would have been first at nope. 19 this is perfectly valid i i endorse this 100 percent. this is he, science he's a he's a great james bond now I, I I don't I purposely did not read much about James Bond and what the James Bond nerds think, but but you guys had mentioned that people were mad about the Timothy Dalton thing because it was too dark. But in in hindsight, like twenty first century Bond viewers, do is is he regarded as one of the better Bonds or are we no. way offline here? I think we're way offline based off what what the consensus says. That's okay though. That's okay. Sorry, boomers. And- and you know, just in general, like just from one 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 podcast host to two others, um, I during the middle of all this, I think I said this on a Patreon. I ended up buying the Bond Blu-ray box set so I could have all these Bond movies. And um, and my wife and I are going to go through one a month for two years. We're going to just start <laughs> from the beginning. So and yeah, that's <laughs> and I, mean, I wonder how your ratings will change when you see more from. Maybe you'll grow on Roger Moore. Well, and that's what I was gonna say. Based off of you know, even though like those movies are silly, and I don't really like Roger Moore, I am excited to watch those movies. Like I'm, I'm excited to honestly all the movies. Well, we watched Goldeneye together, but all these movies, I am excited to rewatch with her. And I'm also excited to watch the other ones, you know, like the other Timothy Dalton movie. Um, well, and it's also interesting because uh, License to the, Kill. The the opinion, you know, there's always correction, overcorrections, and countercorrections and whatnot. And uh, for some reason, like I'm thinking of like music, but I remember in like uh, the '90s there was no uncooler band than Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's a good point. And now fast forward 20 some years later and like, you know, they're, they're up, you know, they're highly regarded. And the same thing happens with movies, like things fall in and out and, you know, there's always reappraisal. So who knows, who knows what'll happen? Well, mm-hmm. we may, we may be setting a trend. Mm-hmm. People may be like, you know what? 
Dalton might be the science says uh, Timothy the- Dalton blocked a bullet with a cello. <laughs> While while sledding down it with its case. That's yep. I mean, come on. All That's right. a good point. Another That's good, good point, point is we've got another Daniel Craig movie coming out, potentially maybe this year. Some someday. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that one. Well, maybe what was the last we heard what? of him? And and I, but like I said, he was he was our number two. I mean, what was the last we heard? October of the of twenty twenty one. September thirtieth, I think. Yeah. Or, no, October eighth. Now. I oh. think they'll release it that then no matter what yeah if people have to die to see bond then so be it <laughs> mm-hmm. no, no time to die so <laughs> yeah it's in the title it's in the title yeah so let's wait till covid and then you can release a movie called no time to die okay um, I, we're going really long here but uh, i just want i did I, I wanted to ask this without putting it on the um agenda to ambush rob a little bit bond versus uh, Ethan, I can't remember his name. Ethan Hunt. Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Hunt. I, I almost said Ethan Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Who you got? Um, I know. You know I so- mean, it's obviously you're the biggest Mission Impossible fan there is. So, but but I, I'm wondering if maybe you wouldn't go that way. What do you think? Uh, so this I actually think it's interesting because as I kind of said earlier, uh, the most interesting thing to me about Bond is that it's 60 years and we have all these different Bonds. Like I think. That is the biggest feather in the cap of Bond is 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 it as like a cultural uh, uh, just cultural stepping stones to just kind of like see how, you know, the 20th century has changed and moving forward. Whereas Mission Impossible is like the same actor. He changes like there's the Mission Impossible. There's there's kind of like three different Ethans that occur in the movies, but like it's the same actor. It's a little different. So like. I think Ethan, like I'm, I, I would go with Ethan Hunt. That said, I think the general, like it's Bond, is more interesting just because of its lasting legacy. Okay. It, um, if Bond, Bond versus e, Bond versus Ethan Hunt, like in a movie, mm-hmm. who's out spying whom? Well, if it's just deception spying, it's for sure Ethan. Hunt. It, well, okay. So, Ethan has like, those if rubber it's a masks. Fight, yeah. He's got the masks. If it's a fight, uh, well, okay, yeah. Here's here's how it would work. Um, uh, blood, uh, bloodlust. It's Ethan. Allure. It's Bond. Humor. It's Bond. Nerve and deception. It's Ethan. Three to two. Ethan wins. Yeah, I, I can't really argue against that. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry. I, I hate to ambush you, but no. I'm hey. I'm always ready to talk Ethan. You came up. <laughs> you came up with those scores really quickly. <laughs> It was like uh, Steve Karnacki on election night. Over well, it's because I have him tattooed on my arms. <laughs> He's walking around in his Dockers khakis right now, pointing at his at his different posters <laughs> for Mission Impossible. Uh, so, so I guess the other question I have for you guys, if if um, we want to, what would you? Is there anything you would like to see in the new Bond? Like not the new movie, but like you know, when we're looking in the twenty twenties and twenty thirties, what would you like to see Bond? Is it is it do we go more of the same? Is it like a tall, dark, and handsome man? Do we do you know? Is it a woman? Can we can we go to other? Does it, it doesn't can it, can it not be a white guy? Like, are you guys open for Bond to just be whatever? Yeah, or what of do you course. Think? I mean, uh, he 
yeah, you can do. I I don't have anything in mind, but the more you can mix it up, the better. I, I, I the most charismatic person you can get to be in the movie is what I want. Yeah, and, I guess that's a really good point. And everything else doesn't matter. And I also want them to actually do spy things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really think that the Mission Impossible movies consistently out spy the James Bond movies, and it's time for the Bond franchise to step it up. Now, yeah, I think they could do Mission Impossible I mean, relying on the masks all the time. <laughs> we might need to give that a rest, but James Bond needs to up it and find something cooler than the mask creation thing and voice modulation. I also say I'm totally open to a Jane Bond. I think that would be cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, honestly, the, o- the only real thing that interests me a lot about No Time to Die is that uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is uh was she a consultant or was she credited as a co-writer uh i don't remember i think we talked about this i think she is a co-writer or she's writing it up but i don't know it, but, she's it, something. but at any rate she was a brought in as a creative force on the concept of this one and mm-hmm. you know that's interesting to me uh, yeah she is part of the screenplay more of the writers okay. of the screenplay may so, i make one, one more request Mm-hmm. Can we have Paul Giamatti as a Bond villain? Ooh, I will say that I do want. I want. I I I think the villains should be silly, and the sillier the better. Yeah, I I think that the villain. Yeah. I want layers. The villain is the key. Um, I want a- Paul Giamatti. His his base is at a vineyard. He's wine drunk <laughs> all the it's time. It's sideways character. <laughs> He's he's mad at a world that still likes Merlot. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna kill. He wants to eradicate the Merlot grape uh, grape vintage. I'm and Thomas Hayden Church is his heavy. Yeah, he's sense. the Ned Beatty uh, to to Paul Giamatti's he's, Gene Hackman. He's the he's the new Jaws. He put put yes. a steel contraption into Thomas Hayden Church's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I we nailed that. Um, Duff, I know we've gone really long. Can you can you give our listeners a little taste? Yeah, give them about a what our appetizer. next season is going to be about. Uh, so I, I don't remember exactly how I came up with this, um, but I uh, some something popped in my mind about movies where it, the movie itself isn't as important, but something happened that was an accident involved making the movie um and there's a i think there's a lot of really famous examples of this uh but i my idea that i'm gonna pick for my next season for our next season is uh when movies attack which is when there's some type of tragedy or horrific events uh that occurred during the production of a movie mm-hmm. um so I, I many God years ago now we talked about uh, the, the Twilight Zone movie where there was a yes. hel- helicopter accident with uh, um, the the hated Landis family. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's you know there there are tons of famous examples of things like that where uh, that you know their sets are destroyed or there's an ex- you know a fire or something or someone has an accident and it's I don't know beyond that I, I don't think the movies need to have anything in common 
Um, I just think it's interesting to look at these movies one at a time. And we haven't flushed out um, or fleshed out the the final list, but the only two that I'm insisting on, uh, the first is the movie Roar, which uh, <laughs> is a movie that was filmed over, I think, like six or seven years mm-hmm. um, and involved numerous wild animals, <laughs> and, <laughs> like lions and tigers. <laughs> Um, I think t- Tippy Hedren is in it. <laughs> plenty of injuries occurred. Uh, there were, yeah, they had to keep shutting down production because there'd be lion attacks. <laughs> uh, and this is, it's kind of a movie that was for a long time. I don't think it was available on home video. And then finally someone released it and it became kind of like a huge talking point in the internet a few years ago. Uh, and then the other one that, uh, somehow I missed, even though it was tailored for people my age, is The Crow with uh, oh yeah, uh, Brandon Lee uh, yeah. was tragically killed during production, um, but there was enough shot to that the movie was still released. And I think this would be really fun because, as you said, the movies don't have to be related in any way outside of this, so we can talk about different movies and. You know, you know, I love we love digging into the production of movies. We get to go into all sorts of fun stuff that happen yeah. on these troubled um, productions. Uh, and so, you know, we don't we haven't even decided uh, how many there will be. But there, if you want to look at the Wikipedia page for uh, I forget what it's called, but we'll post it. It's uh, accidents during movie productions. It's a huge list. And there are some that I had number one either didn't know about or number two had forgotten about like did you guys remember how there was a death for the dark knight filming yes like, yeah i, I totally I forgot about it but yeah, yeah like i had forgotten about that but i remember even before heath ledger died that was a huge thing <laughs> yeah yeah so um we'll probably take a few week break before that happens we do have a special episode that will come out before between this season and that season which i'm excited thanks to our, think- thanks to our benevolent wealthy patron we yep, and I actually think it will be a nice segue, oddly enough, to this next season. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so, I, I um, guess. Yeah, and that's why. Uh, so, listeners, thanks so much for like going through all these Bond movies with us. I hope, uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I definitely, I think all of us had enjoyed going through it. And uh, I know for like diehard Bond fans, it might have been tough to listen to three people who haven't seen all the movies, and um, you know. Thanks for dealing with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to eventually watching all of them. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad to finally dive deeper into a franchise that was a blind spot. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, as always, we have stuff on Patreon at patreon.com slash the midnight boys. And uh, I know this is a doozy, but hey, we had to wrap up the bond and uh, we'll be back in a few weeks with a new episode. Yeah.